Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Online on DAB Plus, Talk Radio and Talk TV. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV, the one and only place to be. Uh, We've just seen Julie Hartley Brewer up at the Birmingham Tory Party Conference where all sorts of things seem to be going on. Um, I don't know how many U-turns it takes to make you actually disappear up your own backside, but there seems to be an awful lot of that going on. Um, You turn here, I turn over there, uh, you turn back there, you go left, I'll go right, uh, we'll go forward, I'll go backwards. That seems to be uh, the hokey-cokey going on currently uh, in Birmingham. We're not entirely sure who's running the ship. We're not entirely sure who's captaining the ship. Kwasi Kwarteng yesterday uh, said that he was not going to move forward uh, the OBR estimates. He wasn't going to bring forward the uh, the way he was going to make these payments made. He wasn't going to tell us how he was going to pull money from one side of the budget and give it to another side. He wasn't going to tell us anything about that until sometime later in November or possibly October. We can't remember. Anyway, now he's doing it sooner than he was going to do it. Uh, so that's another U-turn. Um, Liz Truss says that she's going to give uh, benefit claimants more money, but apparently it's not enough more money uh, for the Tory party to be happy about it. She wants to line it up with um, earnings because she doesn't want to give people who don't work more money than people who do. Uh, it turns out, actually, that uh, other people in the Tory party want her to line it up with inflation. Penny Morgan's one of them, uh, because then they get more. So the Tory party now is a party of taxing the rich and giving more money to benefit claimants. When did that happen exactly? 0344 499 1000. I'm slightly confused, as I'm sure you are. Uh, We'll be talking to Nick Dubois about that. Big uh, day today, though, uh, for those people who are against the arrival of loads of illegal migrants onto our shores. Suella Braverman, the Home Secretary, is going to get up sometime this afternoon and make a speech in which she is going to make it unlawful, even more unlawful, uh, for these people to come here because they are, in fact, illegal. And they're coming here illegally. And the whole uh, train and the whole business of what they do has to be stopped. And everybody, I think, will be pleased to see Suella Braverman tackling this issue because she hasn't done it as yet. Uh, She has been in the Home Office for a while. So we'll see what exactly the meat and bones of that particular situation are, and we'll bring that to you as soon as we can right here on Talk TV. We're also going to look at the problem of violent Britain once again. There's an incredible video doing the rounds uh, from a place called Westfield Shopping Centre in Stratford, which is a place where there's always seemingly trouble 
kicking off between young people, uh, gangs of, uh, of, of other young kids punching each other, kicking each other. This involves um, a security guard at a particular shop. We're going to bring that to you and we're going to tell you why Liz Trust, the Prime Minister, has actually said already in the last 24 hours that the streets of London are no longer safe. Well, she's going to have to fix that, isn't she? 0344 499 1000. Laura Dodsworth is here as well. We'll talk to her about a great many things. And uh, we'll have the odd Tory MP to talk to as well. And surprise, surprise, there's also a story about somebody waiting 14 hours for an ambulance. There seems to be one of those every single day. But this is the place to get common sense. This is the place to have your views heard. We'll also try and explain to you, as we did yesterday, precisely what the energy situation is and precisely how much money you will be getting and how much help you should be getting in order to pay the bills that are currently landing on your doorstep. 0344 499 1000 is the number. This is Talk TV. And here we are, still very mild outside. I can't believe quite how warm it is. So fortunately, so whatever your heating bill is going to be this winter, uh, you probably don't have to put it on at the moment unless you're living in a very poor and cold part of the country. Uh, but right now down in London and South East, it's actually quite balmy. Let's talk to Nick Dubois, former Conservative MP, of course, uh, to get his uh, take on what's happening at the moment. Nick, a very good morning to you. Uh, good morning to you, Mike. Another now, day ahead of us where I'm sure it's going to be quite interesting. Yes, I mean, I, did, I didn't mean it entirely tongue-in-cheek. If you keep you turning and making statements and saying things that you're not going to do and then you do them, I mean, there's a bit of a corrosive effect in the end, isn't there? Well, it has a corrosive effect on two groups of people. First, the public. Now, generally, the public kind of like a government that changes its mind. Mm. They don't worry too much about that. However, if a government keeps doing it, you start to go from being a listening government to a government that sounds like it's not quite sure what it's doing. Right. But the other cohort, Mike, is the MPs. I can't tell you, even in David Cameron's time when I was there, we used to get led up the hill to defend a policy that most of us kind of suspected was a bit bonkers, mm. but we were prepared to give them the benefit of the doubt. Sure enough, you get to the top of the hill, write hundreds of letters to your constituents trying to defend it, and then they'd row back on the policy making you look stupid. Mm. And that's something you can't afford to happen very often. So I'm disappointed with, um, uh, with what's happened. I understand why it's happened. Um, but but it seems now MPs seem quite happy to take on the government, their own government, yeah. and start forming into groups about challenging policies that unyet, have as unyet mm. been brought to the House of Commons. I mean, for the first time, I would say this week, uh, I've heard quite a lot of criticism of the 1922 committee and the mm. idea that people inside the Westminster party have kind of now, one, got rid of uh, Boris Johnson and two, changed the policy of the new prime minister um, who basically wanted to do something which was quite conservative and now isn't doing it. Well, there is a view, and I don't wholly subscribe to it, that the 1922 executive were broadly Rishi Sunak fans and yeah. are therefore um, a bit fed up. But but they, like all MPs, will have, have a stake in, actually, the government being a success because, apart from anything else, their seats depend on it. But it is Graham Brady's job. He's the chair of the 1922, of course. It's his job to tell the Prime Minister if something is not going to get through Parliament. And really, he was, he, it was quite clear the 45p tax cut, a tax cut, I hasten to add, was not going to be supported by Conservative MPs. Mm. And so he did his job in that sense. And that's what really brought the, uh, brought the crime down. I don't think he'd make it up. 
No, but we're hearing today, Nick, that there's likely to be another cabinet revolt over the payments uh, to people on benefits, because on the one hand, the government and Liz Truss want to give the payments in line with um, earnings, which would be a lower amount uh, than what some MPs want, which is a, a payment in line with inflation, which would cost more money. I mean, I can't quite believe that we're looking now at a Tory party that wants to tax the rich uh, and wants to give benefit claimants more money. Well, first of all, the distinction. I think the government don't want to uh, do that particularly. It's the, a group of a cohort of MPs, a large cohort of MPs that are threatening to rebel on the possibility of uh, tightening the benefit system. Mm. And I would say to all these MPs is that I think you have to make up your mind about what type of government you want to have. Mm. Because I don't want to have a government where the answer to every question, Mike, is spend more money. And I don't want a government that's going to, if you like, just rehash the failed consensus of the last 20 years, which has been to spend ever-increasing amounts of money and not solve problems, whether it's in our welfare system on getting people back to work or the NHS. Mm. For years, we've had... had Governments pile on restrictions on employers. They've refused to think about our energy resources. And now today's topic is fracking, which Mm. should go ahead. And they haven't really made work pay when it comes to dealing with the benefit system. I'm talking about over the last 20 years. And the, the, the current solution to every problem seems to be from a large cohort of MPs, spend more money. Mm. Well, I think we need to tackle that. We need to decide what type of conservative government we want to be. I want us to keep more, us, the public, keep more of our own money and reform these public services. They are failing. Um, You know, you can chuck as much money like the NHS as you want, Mike, but it's still not going to have the best outcomes in the world. In fact, it's amongst some Mm. of the worst. On the benefit system, how is it acceptable to um, have an idea that someone who is in work but might only be working three days a week, the minimum 16 hours, so they qualify for Mm. universal credit payments, and give them a 10% rise on their benefits when most people are lucky if they get 5% if they're in full-time work. I think Tories have got to ask themselves, you know, who do they stand for? Do they want this country to grow? And do they want to get people back into work? Yeah, I mean, I think this business of topping up people's earnings has always been mad. You know, the tax credit system was crazy um, Mm. because, frankly, what you're really doing is actually subsidising employers who won't won't pay people the money that they want or you're subsidising people who don't want to work uh, full-time or can't work full-time. You know, but there's no reason why, just because you can't work full-time, that you should be paid more money by the government, is there? Well, this is the whole point. We've been subsidising wages. Wages have been kept low with a lot of, with with huge immigration as well. Uh, so the government step in, redistribute our taxpayers' money to subsidise wages. What if you were an employer? Why on earth would you pay more mm. if the government are going to do it for you? Exactly. It's a ludicrous system, and we need to get these employers paying more money so that one third. Of, um, of of the benefits, excluding pensions, is effectively going to in-work benefits. Yeah. You know, we should be focusing on the disabled, those yeah. who need, those who... Or really pensioners, actually. Work. Pensioners who, who are, are on uh, small amounts of money and could do with a bit more. You know, well, I think the other, the other problem here, I think, Nick, is that, you know, some of these employers, you could convince to give them more money because you say, well, we didn't put corporation tax up to 25%, so you're already uh, in, in clover because you could have been paying 6% more. 
Yes, and and unfortunately, it'll take something like the heavy hand of legislation. It could involve a large rise in the um, the minimum wage. It'll be something like that that eventually mm. is used because employers have to, you know, we have to have responsible capitalism here and recognise that currently there's not all employers, but some employers are part of the problem and yet they can be part of the sol- solution. On pensions, Mike, I think in fairness to the government, they have actually said they are going to stick to the triple lock promise, uh, which obviously they, they didn't last year because of COVID, which would ensure, I suspect, something like a 9 or 10% increase mm. in the state pension. Yeah, exactly right. Um, we're going to take a little break shortly, but you've been to Pali Conference, um, I think, yesterday, going back up there later on today. What's the mood? Is it sort of rebellious in nature? I mean, everyone I've spoken to uh, since yesterday seems reasonably happy. Um, but what, what have you seen? Well, look, I, 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 you cannot help, um, uh, if you like, overlook the fact that there is uh, two two camps in the Conservative mm. Party, Mike. They are divided. There are those who want tr- trust to press on and are disappointed mm. by the, the news this week. And there are those that don't. They can't be reconciled. There is a division in the party. It's time for very firm leadership now. I think we've... We've had a real problem this week because it's given succor to those who think they can hold the government to account. Don't think that's going to Mm. promise well for us, for the country or the prime minister, unless she's able to get get a a firm handle on her backbench MPs. Absolutely. Uh, Nick, stay where you are. I want to talk to you about Suella Braverman, who's today going to be speaking about changing the law so that we can stop the illegal migrants arriving uh, on our shores. I've got this from Benedict. He said, shortage of the day is too boring now, Mike. It has to be crisis of the day used for everything now. Cost of living crisis, energy crisis, mortgage crisis, Ukraine crisis, housing crisis, and dare I say it, climate crisis. There is a lot of crises going on. Uh, Maybe they're not actually crises uh, the word is certainly being overused there's no question about that we try and avoid scaremongering on this show so we just tell you the truth and we give it to you straight and we want to hear your version of it as well 0344 499 1000 is the number more from Nick Dubois coming next on Talk TV See it, hear it, think it Talk Radio and Talk TV Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. We're talking to Nick Dubois uh, about what is actually happening up in Birmingham, what is going through, what is not going through. Nick, one of the questions uh, that people ask me as well is what happens with this uh, new mini budget? Does it have to go through Parliament in all the usual stages? Is it going to be rushed through? Can it be voted down in parts? You know, how will it how will its passage go, if you like? Well, for example, when there was the 45p tax cut, that wouldn't have had to come to Parliament until about March or April of next year. Right. So so uh, it, it, there are measures in there that are going to go through very, very swiftly. They, they People can vote down independent, um, if you like, sort of sections of the bill. They can object to it. It's quite a big thing for a Conservative MP to vote against their own um, uh, uh, own finance bill, mm. which is effectively what it'll be. Yeah. Um, so, for example, Mike, they'll rush through... Uh, the necessary legislation to ensure the supports there for this huge spend 150 billion um helping people with energy bills you kind of forgotten about that in the melee that's yeah. going on at the moment many of those measures like the reversing the national insurance increase that's going to go through they'll we'll get some whinging from uh, from labor on that but basically you'll 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 see that go through and the penny in income tax labor have already said they'd support it despite mm. the fact they're quite happy to 
claim everything's unfunded. That's one thing they're quite happy with, apparently. Well, apparently so. I mean, this is the other weird thing about what is happening right now. In terms of the uh, energy crisis, as it was called, you know, this is the first month where people's bills are supposed to be going up. We did an exercise yesterday, uh, Nick, to try and find out precisely what people were doing and how much the bills were that they were getting. And it's a very mixed picture. An awful lot of people don't really know what they're supposed to do. If you're on, you know, a fixed tariff, that's one thing. If you've got a smart meter, that's another thing. Some of the smart meters hadn't updated. I mean, there's a, there's a huge kind of knowledge gap, I think, in people's minds about what they're supposed to be doing. No, there is. And in fact, we got our own bill. And uh, I know why they did this, but they kind of set out what you were paying, yeah. what you might have paid yeah. and what you will pay mm. uh, per kilowatt. I mean, uh, I once re- I first read that bill and thought, blimey, it's doubled. I thought we were kind of yeah. dealing with this and it shouldn't have gone up so much. And then when I read into the detail... I, I saw what was there. I do think we could do with better information mm. on what to expect, because at the moment, the government are relying very much on uh, people like Citizens Advice Bureau and, and the electricity of their companies to yeah. explain it. People want to know what to expect. And I think I think we need to do a little bit more work. On yeah, that. Well, I listened gonna... to your show yesterday and there was one poor <laughs> MP struggling. Oh, bless him. At least he at least he, he fessed up. He didn't know. No, that's right. And I think that is one of the things about government, which is un- unfortunately sometimes missed that, you know, they make these grants statements they say they're going to do these things but nobody really knows the detail of it and as far as helping individual people is concerned they're not so good at that and i I, know it's not really a criticism it's just the way things are i suppose because for example we've got suella braverman today um who's going to get up and make a speech and we're told she's going to introduce some new law to make it more difficult for migrants to come here illegally uh, and landing on our shores, uh, which will be very, very popular amongst the Tory uh, heartlands, I believe. Uh, and it's about time. But the big question will be, will it work? Well, Mike, I think um, uh, that if it had not been for the, the all the other issues going on, this would be the big story of the day. Yeah. Actually. Now, in some senses, uh, this could be the redemption of uh, the Conservative Party if they actually get this right. Because I think there is, unfortunately, nothing more that has screamed, you don't control your own borders, which is kind of a key job of a government, really, um, than the huge number of illegal migrants coming into this country. Even the Home Office reckon it could reach 60,000 this year, you know, which is record numbers. So her proposals, which essentially are saying, you will not be allowed to claim asylum if you come into this country illegally. That is, if you like, what Priti Patel, the previous Home Secretary, set out to do. But this goes further because it's ruled out any exemptions. Now, will this bring her into clash with the um, uh, European human rights laws? Almost certainly. Mm. Would we have to once again consider leaving the UN Convention on Human Rights? Yes, that will have to be considered. But look, Suella Braverman gets a bad press. She's a very sharp lawyer. She will have worked very hard to think this through. So I'm absolutely prepared once again to give the government the benefit Mm. of the doubt on this. And, and hope that they can sort it out. Well, what they might uh, get some comfort from is uh, is looking at what Sweden are currently doing and Denmark, who have both managed to deport um, illegal migrants from there back to wherever it was they came from. Um, and they don't seem to have had any truck with the uh, ECHR or, or the UN. Yes, yeah, quite interesting, isn't it? You know, I wonder what all the... Um uh, remain loving uh, 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 part of the population who condemn us for being a closed shop and 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 racist mm. and all that sort of nonsense would make of 
um, uh, Scandinavian countries considered the most liberal in the world, saying we've got to deal with this and have enough. And you're quite right, Mike, as with many problems around uh, the world, let's have a look at how other people are trying to deal with them mm. and take a look at what works. Yes. And, and, and I'm sure she will be influenced. Because there's no doubt that the, the immigration issue, despite the fact that, as you say, the Ramonas don't ever want to talk about it because we're supposed to all be one big global family, you know, are causing massive ructions all the way across Europe. You know, we've seen uh, the election results in Sweden, which have been uh, uh, sold to the kind of the, the, the right side of politics. Uh, same in Italy. Um, and these are both countries that have had mass immigration from parts of the world where Angela Merkel thought it was going to be OK, uh, and which hasn't worked at all for anybody. No, and, and also, let's not forget, there are um, decent uh, Labour, former Labour voters, uh, many from those red wall seats, who regarded immigration as one of the great, or the illegal immigration, as one of the great failures of, of the country and looked to the Conservatives to try and sort it out. Mm. Uh, and, 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 and so I, I'm not even sure it's a left-right thing, quite honestly. P P the people who are prepared to talk about it politically come from the, the centre-right, and, and they, they, have either, they either get rewarded by getting elected, but they'll be punished for failing. Yes. And that's Suella Braverman's challenge. Yeah, but I mean, certainly from, say, the Labour Party perspective, I don't think that was even mentioned uh, at no. Labour Party conference last week. Um, and the migrant crisis and the migrant issue is very rarely brought up by Labour Party uh, MPs. And if anybody else brings it up, uh, they just chuck the racist word at people. Yes, they do. And they try and silence it. And I think it's very, very interesting that Suella Brahman will say in her speech today, we are told, you know, it is not racist to talk about the immigration mm. challenge. It is not racist to say this is having an impact on our services, uh, our schools, our housing and so forth. And, and you know, she's going to stand up and say that. And, and again, it has echoes in a way of what people, former leaders like Michael Howard used to say, you know, long gone in the past, yeah. 2005, six, and was firmly trounced then uh, by by the left and, and shouted down. Suella Bradman, I think it's going to be, it will, will actually make, and I hope it gets airtime, uh, with everything else that's going on, we'll make, I think, a very important pe uh, uh, speech on yeah. immigration. Yeah, well, it, she it, is making it is important. It will certainly get plenty of airtime on this show, that's for sure. Uh, we'll wait and see and watch it with, with interest next week. Um, final question on uh, Jacob Rees Mogg. Workers should get a tax incentive for travelling into the office. He's not letting this one go, is he? He's, he's very determined to get everybody back at work. I've actually noticed, and about you, that there seems to be more people back in the city, certainly in London, than there were. I put it down to presumably the high, the high cost of, uh, of heating your own home. Uh, Mike, I always think that if you can create uh, incentives for people to work, if they want to give my uh, train fare for coming in uh, to your studio and other places <laughs> and allow me to claim tax against it, I'm quite happy about that. But the bottom line is more and more companies are working out what people like you, me and many talk TV listeners worked out. Working from home is not the future. Mm. You can work from home a bit, but to have the default um, position being to work from home, uh, companies are changing. I can tell you why. Someone very close to me was told they had to go back to the office three days a week. Right. It caused a rebellion nearly, but the company stuck to their guns and yeah. they're right to do so. I think that's right. And I think if, if there can be tax incentives, then that's perhaps, perhaps the way to go. You know, you get you get a tax break for actually travelling into work uh, instead of sitting at home. And of course, for, there's a massive difference, isn't there? You get people who have said that as managers, uh, they don't find it very efficient. And if the people are working from home, they do find it efficient. 
Um, but we shall see. Um, well, good to see you, Nick. Thank you very much indeed. Nick Dubois uh, reporting into us there. He's been at their party conference. He'll be back there later. We'll talk to him some more, I'm sure. This is Talk TV. More coming up. On DAB+, Plus, on the app, Talk Radio and Talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republican, Mike Graham, right here on Talk TV. Nick Dubois there talking about the um, problems within the Tory party, which apparently has been basically split in two. And it would seem as though Rishi Sunak's uh, supporters are still causing a bit of trouble. And Rishi Sunak said he wasn't going to go uh, to Tory party conference in Birmingham because he wanted Liz Truss to own the moment so that he wasn't going to be taking anything away from her. I think that's a bit pretentious, isn't it? Isn't that rather sort of um, arrogant as well, that Rishi Sunak thinks he's such a big guy? Um, that he's going to be somehow overshadowing the Prime Minister. Well, I'm not sure you would be, matey, because uh, you're now just a backbench MP. Great to hear Nick Dubois talking sense. We have spent £40 billion a year on working tax credits for people to sit at home for half the week doing nothing. It's insane. That could be 8p a year off income tax, uh, says Clive. Very good. Uh, never thought I would say this, but I agree with every word Nick Dubois said. He had some good solutions too, uh, says another texter. I'm more annoyed with the backstabbers, says Angela. If they don't unite, then we will never get stability. Rishi Sunak could stop this and tell his supporters to calm down. Uh, there are many MPs who are not Conservatives. Well, that would seem to be the case. Let's talk to Tony, who's in Hastings. Hi, Tony. Good morning, Mike. How morning. are you? Yeah, very well indeed. What can I do for you? Um, well, I'm kind of in mourning for the Conservative Party. They seem to be <laughs> wanting to commit suicide yeah. and follow the policies of the new Labour I know. government. What's going on? And they, they don't know what... They're not going to give Liz Truss a chance because Rishi Shunak expected the job. Yeah. And I, I see him as a globalist and I don't like globalism no. in particular. No, he's obviously got a very high opinion of himself as well. Well, it was pretty obvious from the hustings, wasn't it? Yeah. That he thought he was God's gift to Britain yeah. or the world. Um, I think the left are focused, aren't they, on just getting rid of the Tories. Nothing else matters to them, mm. all of the left. The Tories have got to focus on what the Red Bull and the Tory core vote actually wants, yes. and they're not doing it. They're too busy bickering and fighting and I'll tell you now, if you live in a street, middle-class street, where some of the houses have been rented out to these two-day-a-week workers, mm. it's, it is absolutely an insult to see them work a couple of days a week, endlessly yeah. ordering food online and Amazon parcels coming. Right. Well, you're paying for it. Uh, it's, um, it is mad. It's just this whole system is, is bonkers, it seems to me. But also, Tony, how did we get to a place where apparently now it's wrong policy for a Conservative Prime Minister to want to give more, uh, less money to, to, uh, to benefit claimants and to tax people who make more money even more? I don't know how we got there. I mean, I, I, I grew up in the 70s, you right. know, born in, born in the 50s. Mm. And the thing you did when you finished your education, you went out and got a job. It, it wasn't... Right. There was no alternative. That was what we were brought up to do. Now, I'm actually, I've only learned recently, horrifyingly, that a young person of 16 can leave education uneducated, mm. get dole money, and get somewhere to live on the state. I mean, what are we doing for ourselves? I know, you know? There's, no, there's no kind of incentive to, uh, to get people to, to better themselves, was a phrase we used to use all the time. You know, move yourself up the ladder, get more uh, than your parents had, perhaps get a better job than they had, get more money than they had. You know, improve your life, in other words. Well, that's a right, that's a right of 
of humans, isn't it? To yeah. do better, to do better for their kids and build a better society. And we were very good at it for centuries. Yeah. Yeah, but we seem, to have, down, we seem to have lost down it. The drain. Yeah, and by the wrong party, by the Tories. You think Labour would have done it, but actually, the Labour government under Tony Blair was quite sort of, um, uh, you know, ambitious, wasn't it? I mean, they wanted you to do better. They wanted you to do well. I think they genuinely did at the time. I mean, I'll never like a sort of anything that leans towards communism. No, but it was a pretty good Conservative government, and it's almost to me like they've they've adopted that policy, but. Um, gone, gone further than Tony Blair yeah. would have done. No, I know. Either. It's very confusing, Tony. I'm not surprised that you're unhappy about it. Uh, Tony, Tony says he's mourning uh, the slow death of the Conservative Party. Well, I think he might be right. Paul's in Slough. Hello, Paul. Hello, Mike. How are you doing? All right, thanks. Yeah. What do you make of it all? <laughs> I think I think she's going to have to go uh, down the culture war uh, street now, isn't she, really? Well, I mean, I don't know what she's going to do because it seems as though everything she wants to do is being stymied and stopped at every point by people who haven't got over the fact that she beat Rishi Sunak. I know, exactly. But I think all that's left, I think uh, if she could do anything about illegal immigration, then that would be um, that would be a vote winner in the yes. Red War. Yes. Um, and the benefits thing, I don't know. I, don't, I, I think she'll... Uh, She'll uprate them in line with inflation. I think she'll buckle on that one. Yeah. Well, I mean, honest. unfortunately, that, I, I think that, that would appear to be her modus operandi at the moment. Paul, thanks very much indeed. I think at the moment she's in kind of uh, what can only be described as lifeboat mode, uh, where she's desperately making sure uh, that she stays in the lifeboat and she doesn't get chucked out and the water doesn't keep pouring in. But I'm not sure that that is going to be a long-term strategy that will work. Let's talk to Brendan Clark-Smith, Conservative MP for Bassett Law. Uh, he's up at uh, Tory party conference. Brendan, a very good morning to you. Morning, Mike. Thanks for having me on. Thanks very much indeed for joining us. So, um, I'm told that we now have a sort of uh, a two-sided Conservative Party, those who uh, want Liz Trust to succeed and seemingly a bunch of people who don't. What do you make of that? I mean, you're always going to get people who are a bit upset and so on. I think any politician who can say they 100% satisfy every single person on the benches has achieved something no one else in history has. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I supported uh, Liz Truss, Prime Minister, in the uh, in the leadership election. Yeah, I thought that she was the best candidate to actually bring the party together, really. I think the, the biggest problem we had... Boris Johnson, hugely popular with the public. Um, I, I was a big supporter of him, but of course, in the end, the parliamentary party turned and you need to command that majority, you need that support. And I thought Liz Truss is one of the few people who can actually bring people together from across the party and actually do that, which is a big reason why I supported her. I like the programme that she's gotten. Of course, it's going to be difficult. Um, you know, look at in terms of our opposition. I think whoever you elected as leader, the knives are going to be out because that, again, is the, the modus operandi and it's the... It's the game we're in, Mike. I'm afraid. Yeah, but, uh, but it's you know, more than a, but it's more a, than a game to an awful lot of other people, Brendan. It's not. It's life and death to a lot of people. It's survival or or sinking for some people, economically speaking. Um, so you know, I think the Tory Party, as a general rule, should stop playing games and get on with running the country properly. 
Well, absolutely. And that, that's the thing. I mean, people don't like politicians navel gazing. They want us to get on with it, really. Uh, they're worried about their energy bills. So we've actually taken really decisive action on that with a, a very big package. Again, it's, um, you know, I you, you mentioned about, about welfare and so on. One of the biggest complaints I get in the red wall and people are saying, oh, you, you must increase this and you must increase that. There are lots of people who work very hard, who are just about managing, working 40, 50, 60 hours a week. Uh, sometimes saying where's where's our support and uh, that's why we've tried to provide support for everybody so 400 pounds you know that's that's gone to everyone 1200 pounds for the, the poorest most vulnerable actually targeted support where people want it we want growth we want jobs that pay proper wages as well I mean, that was one of the main points of, of brexit that we uh, we can start doing that move away from a low-wage economy so that's the kind of thing that encourages me that's what i want us to get on and do we see we want to cut taxes um more of the pounds in people's pockets as well mike because i mean when it comes down to it i mean that's what people judge it on you know their standard of living can they support their family can they pay their mortgage can they pay their energy bills you know they're, they're not interested in a squabbling and all these little details they they want solid things that they can actually see making a difference yes they do and they also want to be able to see that the tory party stands for something and you know just talking there to a couple of callers who were saying you know we don't recognize this tory party that wants to you know give more money away to people who are not working full time because they're on some kind of universal credit system you know that doesn't seem a very conservative policy uh, and at the same time uh, wanting to tax people who make more money more uh, neither one of those seems particularly conservative to us yeah, I mean, the, the whole reason UC was introduced in the first place, of course, is you used to have people with this cliff edge where they say, I'm only going to work so many hours or I, I can't afford to take a job and so on. And we, we wanted to move away from that to kind of encourage people. So look at the number of people who are in work now. Um, yeah, that's absolutely great. We've still got well over a million jobs available. You know, I've got, I've got two of my local pubs at the moment are closing on Mondays because they can't fill those vacancies. So, yeah, the work is there if yeah. people want it. But uh, so do you think it's fair then? So, so do you think it's fair then, uh, Brendan, for people who are working part time to get a bigger pay rise then for, than those who are working full time? Well, again, it's, it's a, I think fairness is the right word, Mike. I mean, as you say, I mean, uh, some people work part time for very, very good reasons. They have uh, childcare to manage and um, you know, people with disabilities and so on. So not everybody on UC, of course, is you know, able-bodied um, young man who could go to work and doesn't do. So, I mean, I, I recognise that the, you know, it depends on individual circumstances, but you look at teachers, you look at doctors, you look at nurses, you look at whatever pay rise that they've got, and, and, and you know, if, if you're going to put benefits up by more than that, then obviously people will say about the fairness argument. But I, I don't think it's so just so So you wouldn't so vote for that, then? Well, it depends what it is. I mean, I, th I think what you really need is you need that uh, people are supported. So you can put you know, you could put UC or you could put benefits up by X percent, but if someone's energy bill has gone through the roof, that's not going to be enough to cover it, which is why you need the direct support. So I think providing that safety net that's there... Yeah, but so aren't we just going to be continually paying for people who haven't got enough money? Because that doesn't sound very conservative to me either. Well, this is why we need to get people into jobs. This is why we need to bring the, the energy bills down, get to the end of that crisis, why we need to grow the economy. And it's all these things, Mike, really. You know, we, we want people to thrive and be successful and create the opportunities for that. And of course, the problem is, uh, you know, we had a, 
long time recovering from the financial crisis and austerity and so on. And now we've had COVID-19 came along and we're feeling some of the after effects. And that's why I think you know, the prime minister's right to go for growth because that's our only way out of this. Otherwise, you just end up taxing people even more, mm. uh, paying out even more. Um, you know, the debts go higher. And that's not a way to solve the problems in this economy. No, I could, couldn't agree with you more. Brendan Clark-Smith, thank you very much indeed, Conservative MP for Bassett Law. Has the Tory party become some kind of crutch for people uh, who can't make enough money? And so they just ask for some handouts from the government. What's going on? This is Talk TV. Nationwide, by your side, Talk Radio and Talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. We're going to be speaking to Lee Anderson coming up pretty soon. But let's before we do that, uh, have another look uh, at something that we do from time to time here uh, in uh, this particular show and on this particular TV station as well. And that is looking at violent Britain because another video uh, has come across our desks here at Talk TV. Uh, and this time uh, it's of a security guard fighting off a bunch of youths teenagers by the looks of things uh, in a place called uh, Westfield it's a big shopping centre in Stratford in East London, it's often the site of what can only be described as gang warfare, uh, many people have been stabbed in and around there, it's a pretty rough neck of the woods, it's out by uh, the Olympic Park, it's out near where West Ham play football, um, but this incident is pretty typical I would say of the kinds of things that are going on all over the country at any given time this, I believe, happened during the day. Um, the security guard has been criticised. We're going to talk to Will Geddes, who's a security specialist coming up later on in the show. He's being criticised because he was quite rough with some of these kids. But if you look at what's going on, you know, he's on his own. There's two or three of them at the same time coming after him, trying to punch him, trying to kick him. At one point, there's a headbutt going on. I presume, and we don't know the full details of why this has all happened, but it could have been as a result of shoplifting. We know, Julie hartley Bruce talks about this, that shoplifting now in this country has reached epidemic proportions. People are simply not stopping shoplifters and so i was walking down oxford street not long ago and you know we showed you that picture that video of the of the kids kind of running in and out of shops just basically looting them in broad daylight the police just standing around not doing anything about it um and they've now got an awful lot of shops in oxford street have now got their front doors locked uh, they've got security guards standing outside them they're hiring private police effectively to ensure that they can run a business without the expectation of being robbed or steamed or anything like that. And it seems extraordinary that we've reached this state of affairs in this country. Even Liz Truss, the Prime Minister, has said in an interview uh, that the streets of London are not safe and something has to be done about it. Well, she's quite right. There's an awful lot of violence going on in Britain right now and this government should be stopping it. Suella Braverman, at least, has taken a step in the right direction. She's told police forces in this country to stop being so woke, to stop standing around uh, admiring protesters, to stop dancing with them, to stop skateboarding with them, to stop taking the knee, and instead to do some proper policing. But if that's the kind of thing you can expect to see in a pretty well-organised um, shopping centre in the heart of London, then what's it going to be like in every other part of the, of the world? It's absolutely unbelievable what's going on. Let's talk to Lee Anderson, Conservative MP for Ashfield. Lee, a very good morning to you. Welcome. Good morning, Michael. Always good to have you in the Independent Republic, Lee. So uh, thank you very much for joining us. Just let's kick off with this. I don't know if you've had a chance to see this video. You might not have done, but you'll know what I'm describing. It's a, it's a, it's a young guy, a security guard, fighting off these youths. There's about six or seven of them coming at him, you know, punches being thrown, they're kicking him. He's been criticised because he fought back. I mean, I think he's entitled to fight back. But, I mean, it's unfortunately, it's a snapshot of an awful lot of what's going on around us at the moment. Very violent Britain at the moment. What can we do? Well, it's awful, Mark. It would appear that, you know, in certain parts of the country, the police have lost control 
of the streets. Now, look, you know, back in the day when, when I was a teenager, if you'd been taking part in that sort of behaviour, you'd have got a clip, more than a clip round the hole, here all off the uh, the local bobbies. You'd yes. have been in the back of the van, you'd have been uh, uh, dealt with swiftly, should yep. I say, uh, not arrested uh, and sent on your way. Uh, normally with, you know, with... with um, with, with a reminder, should mm. I say, yes. uh, of what you've been up to. But look, this is serious. And you're quite right, Mike, what you're saying, uh, that, you know, the police are spending far too much time now dancing the Macarena, painting rainbows on their police cars, you know, taking the knee, trying to be trendy and hip and getting down with the kids, when really what the great British public want, they want the, the robbers and the thieves arresting, and they want these idiots, these hooligans, locking up, I'm putting away. Mm, exactly right. And I mean, hopefully Suella Braverman is going to be taking steps in that direction. She's already told a lot of the police not to be so woke and she wants them to get on with uh, uh, getting those crime figures down. But she's also making a speech today, uh, hopefully uh, setting out with a new law which will prevent it or at least stop it being so easy for people to land on our shores and, and live here. Well, that's right, Mike. I mean, this is. I, I was with Suella last night at an event where she, we both spoke, actually. Uh, she spoke at length about the small boats. And you know what? This this new law she's going to bring in where, you know, if you enter this country illegally, you cannot claim asylum. I mean, this is music to my ears. This yeah. is what uh, several of us in the blue collar in the common sense group have been asking for since day one. I, I just can't understand why this wasn't part of the borders bill. If you come here illegally, then there's no way you're going to claim asylum. That stops it straight away. Yes, because that's what they did in Australia. And it worked very well there, yeah. didn't it? Well, it works very well. You know, they've got the pushbacks in Australia. They've got this this law, what you quite rightly say, where if you do enter the country illegally, you are a criminal um, straight away. Mm. And it's illegal to do that. And, and you're sent packing. We've got to do that. I mean, we spent over 18 months with this borders bill. Uh, it's You know, there's loopholes in there and we're challenging it through the courts. A simple law would stop all that. Yeah, it really would. And I mean, obviously, the, the Tory party have been in charge for 12 years, as we keep hearing uh, from Labour, and uh, this hasn't ever really been properly sorted. And it looks as though now it could be as many as 50 to 60,000 arrivals uh, yeah. this year alone if it, if it isn't stopped. Are you confident that, that this time somehow the ECHR and the European Court of Human Rights uh, lawyers won't somehow stop it from happening? Well, I hope so, Mike. I mean, I mean Suella's making the right noises. I'm embarrassed, uh, and I apologise to, to your listeners and your viewers about this every time I come on. You know, we've been having this conversation. I've been making excuses for, for 18 months now about the channel crossings. There, there is a simple solution. I think Suella's hit the nail on the head. Uh, whereas if you enter this country illegally, then you go straight away. You're not claiming asylum. I mean, I don't know where the, the, the people traffickers go from there. If they know that the uh, the money they're taking is, is going to be wasted, if people think that they're going to waste five grand coming in to be sent straight back or sent to Rwanda, then that hopefully stops it. We've been t- we've been taken for mugs. It makes me angry, Mike, when I see these illegal immigrants and they are illegal immigrants. They're not genuine asylum seekers. As I said before, they're living in tents in Cali. Yeah. And then they get here and they're picked up and put in four-star hotels. It's an absolute yeah. disgrace. Yeah. And Serco now are now are actually looking for residences for them at a time when people in this country are struggling to find housing, struggling to get uh, enough uh, roofs over their heads themselves. They're looking for people to give them uh, houses so they can rent them for five years, they say, uh, guaranteeing yeah. council taxes paid, guaranteeing the rent is paid. It's all our money. Yeah. Meanwhile, the hard-working British taxpayer... You know, we're having to dig deep in their pockets to make sure that, you know, people that's less fortunate in our society can afford their eating bills, Mike, their electric and right. their gas. And remember, the middle income earners now are feeling the pinch in this country with their fuel bills skyrocketing, yet we're spending five or six million pounds 
a day on illegal immigrants. And you know what? It's about time Parliament, the whole of Parliament, um, all 650 MPs come together. Stop. This is this is a national crisis. I, I said in the chamber just last month, this is a national emergency. Mm. And I wish we'd all wake up and get it dealt with. Uh, as soon as possible. Great. Um, Lee, where do you stand on this argument about, um, uh, you know, paying people benefits and right, giving them a pay rise, effectively? There seems to be a row going on in the party. Some people want it to be pegged to um, uh, to inflation. Others want it pegged to um, earnings. Um, it doesn't make much sense from a Tory perspective for me if you're giving people a bigger pay rise for not working than you're giving to people who are working. Well, it makes no sense at all, Mike. I mean, you've got people just about managing in Ashfield on 20, 25 grand a year. Uh, some of them are public sector workers, some are private workers. They're getting two, three, four percent pay rise. And then they say to, you know, your, your next door neighbour who might not be at work, that you're going to get a 10 percent pay rise. That, that, that don't sit well, Michael. Now, no. I know there are people that's in work that's on universal credits and in work benefits. But, you know, we cannot be a country. We cannot have a workforce that continually puts a hand out to government for pay rise. You know, back in the day when I bought my first house in 1990, Interest rates were, were 15%. No. I couldn't afford really to buy my house. I had to work a Saturday in a Sunday shift down the pit. I didn't go out with a begging bowl, complaining on social media or complaining to the government that uh, I can't afford my house. I did what we all did yeah. and what a lot of people are doing today. I dug deep and put the hours in. Right. Because that's the thing. People seem to expect the government now to hand, hand out money to them because they haven't got enough. I mean, that doesn't yeah. seem to me to be the way forward. It's not fair, Mike. What you're doing? People say it's government money. It's not government money. It's your money. Yeah. It's my money. My neighbour's money. It's my friend's money. You're asking them to dig deep to give to somebody else, you know. And if that other person's not prepared to put a full, a full uh, shift in at work or a full forty hours or do that little bit of overtime, that's not fair, Michael. I want to see a fair society where people are treated fairly. Yeah, well said. Couldn't agree more, Lee. Very well done. Thank you very much indeed, Lee Anderson, Conservative MP for Ashfield. There, talking perfect sense in the home of common sense. This is, of course, Talk TV. Coming up next, Laura Dodsworth is going to be here, and we've got lots to talk about. And we'll take more of your calls as well. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. This is, of course, uh, the one place where you will hear the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. There seems to be uh, a bit of uh, uncertainty out there. Uh, we've got Tory party conference going on in Birmingham. We're going to be talking to Laura Dodsworth coming up very shortly. Not necessarily about that, but about the state of play uh, in general, where we are. Uh, there's a lot of talk of violent burglaries going up. We've just played you an incredible video uh, of a security guard fighting off a group of youths in Stratford in the... Um, uh, in the Westfield shopping centre uh, but we've got a rise in raiders who carry guns and knives uh, carrying out violent burglary. It soared by 13% in five years. Derbyshire police saw a 632% rise in aggravated burglaries since 2017. West Midlands also saw a rise of 439%. Absolutely extraordinary figures. We're going to talk uh, to Will Geddes later on about what it is that is fueling all of this violence and what it is that is going on out there. Uh, a lot of you seem to have misunderstood uh, the story that I've put out uh, suggesting that um, I didn't recognise that the 
security guard was being attacked. Well, of course I did. That was what I was telling you about. That was why I was telling you about the video uh, in the first place. So don't please criticise me uh, for not recognising that the guy was doing uh, a very, very difficult thing and being uh, being very brave about it. I'm not criticising him for headbutting any of these kids. Uh, not at all. Not on your Nelly. Uh, coming up as well, we're going to continue to talk about uh, whether or not Liz Truss is going to get what she wants through the Tory party because there seems to be an unfortunate split in the party where people who don't seem to be particularly conservative want to go around taxing people who make money and giving more money to people who don't actually work for a living. It seems extraordinary to me. 0344 499 1000. Chloe says there's great common sense uh, in the Republic this morning. Uh, Tory backbenchers really, really need to stop stop messing about uh, and doing uh, reining themselves in. Their behaviour is appalling. She's been in post effectively less than a month. They need to put up and shut up for now and give her a chance. And that is, of course, what Liz um, Truss will want. But will she be able to be given that chance? Laura Dosworth is here. Uh, very good morning to you, Laura. Good morning. Hello. Thank, thank you very much indeed for joining us. Um, not in the studio this morning, but I want to take you, uh, first of all, through what's going on in uh, in Birmingham, really, because we've got a new prime minister. She's only been in for about a month and she seems to be uh, sort of, ha- you know, kind of hogtied, if you like, uh, not able to do anything because the Tory party can't make up its mind whether it's a Tory party or a Labour party, it seems to me. And it's so disappointing, I think, that she and Kwasi Kwarteng have capitulated on the um, top tax rate. Um, if nothing else, you see, because it, it signals that they will keep capitulating. I think there was nothing that was unsound about that as economic policy. It just lacked slick optics. And of course, so much these days is about slick optics. Mm. Yeah. Um, and now, we, now we're hearing more stirrings of um, rebellion and, and rumblings about fracking. And, you know, everybody's going to be rubbing their hands with glee. Great. What else can we get Liz, Liz Trust to U-turn on? Yeah. And it's and it's such a pity. Um, it's such a pity. People should have shown loyalty, I think, um, in these early weeks, uh, rather than put uh, their manoeuvring. Yes, I think first. that's right. Because now the next battle would appear to be over universal credit and people being paid more money um, to not work effectively and get a pay rise for not working uh, than the people who are working, which seems to me a very unconservative thing to do. Yeah, but are you talking about increasing benefits in line with inflation? Because that's only um, keeping a pace with costs. That's not a real increase. Well, no, but it is, though, because in terms of people who are getting pay rise, I mean, that's what all these strikes are about, isn't it? Because they're saying, well, we don't get the pay rise that keeps us up with inflation, and therefore we want more. But most people are not getting it, particularly in the private sector. So if you give it to people who are on benefits, you're effectively giving them more money than you're giving to people who work for a living. Yeah, I, I take your point. The thing is, I, I think that what the economy really needs is um, the good supply side economics that she probably would have delivered. The mistake they made was not getting the um, the OBR involved, not getting the PR right and all of this so that we could focus on how to make the economy more productive and not turn this into um, a debate about, about class and socioeconomics. You know, it's like the point about the higher tax rate. It's totally misunderstood. The last time we had we had a reduction in the lower uh, in the higher rate of tax. Actually, tax revenues increased. Yeah. The, the the way that tax is set now is a huge disincentive to people to earn more money. Um, but instead, people get a beer in their bonnet about class rather than really stimulating mm. the economy. Well, it doesn't help, does it, when you've got Labour Party people basically saying sort of eat the rich and, you know, rich people are all bad and they're all probably, uh, you know, 
suffering from ill-gotten gains and they're just evil people, the Tories are evil. This narrative keeps coming up all the time. You know, you've seen some of the stuff that goes on outside the uh, Tory party conference, not very pleasant, mm. but it only happens outside Tory party conference. Yeah, abs- absolutely. It's. Um, I think we're just becoming increasingly polarised as a country and I don't think we're really going to advance while it's seen that the left occupies the moral high ground and people who are right wing are bad people. Mm. They're just different ways of approaching economic policy. Yeah, they really are. Speaking of uh, the real world, let's get back to it because I know you're keen to talk about um, Freshers' Week, Oxford University students uh, apparently worried that some of the stalls in Freshers' Week might be triggering for some people um, and they're actually going to set up a well-being zone. I mean, is this the way to prepare our children for adult life? I think, um, well, so the story is about Oxford University. Oxford University are going to put trigger warnings on stands at the Freshers' Week uh, fair that might upset people and create a well-being zone. I think universities have become very confused about their purpose mm. and students have become very confused about what the purpose of education is. You know, at a time when you are ready to leave home and enter the wider world and expand your brain, you should not need a well-being zone if you come across information which is challenging mm. to you. Now, the particular stand, of course, which um, is in the article in The Telegraph and has been um, singled out for special mention is a pro-life stand. Now, um, I personally am pro-choice when it comes to abortion, but I don't think that a pro-life stand at a freshers' fair specifically deserves a trigger warning. And I think what this is about really isn't about uh, protecting their molly-coddled little brains. What this is really about is applying social stigma to a way of thinking mm. which doesn't meet the high priests of woke correct thinking. You know, putting a trigger warning on a pro-life stand is like um, Hawthorne's Scarlet Letter mm. or the shame bell in Game of Thrones or it's a dunce's cap. It's about saying, this is a bad idea. Don't mm. look at this bad idea, boys and girls. We're all pro-choice. Now, like I say, I'm pro-choice too, but but when you get to university, this should be the time when your brain is ready to expand. You can take on different types of information. And we shouldn't have this kind of filter of what's good, what's bad, mm. what, what people are allowed to look at, what might hurt them. You know, is this a university or is it a seminary for creating priests of woke? Yes, quite. And I, mean, I wonder if you think it's getting worse or if it's worse than it's ever been in terms of how polarised people are now, you know, because we heard from Reem Ibrahim the other day uh, that university students who are of a conservative bent are, are now sort of frightened of speaking out. But it's not just them, because sometimes people who have different views are frightened of speaking out because there might be consequences for their course, there might be consequences from their friendship group, you know, people might start hating them because they believe a certain thing. So they're actually not saying anything. Absolutely. So a study uh, found recently that one third of you, uh, students feel that free speech is under threat. That's up from a quarter. And actually, you mentioned conservatives. This is a more um, extreme view among students who are more likely to vote conservative also feel that free speech is more threatened. So we're talking about polarisation before when we're talking about the Tory party conference. There is this increasing polarisation, which does run along a fault line in terms of people's attitudes towards free speech. Mm. You're seeing the left want to be more censorious people on the right want to protect free speech more um i mean in terms of the universities they're going to go woke and go broke if you remember the 
University of Edinburgh decided to rename David Hume Tower and it lost millions of pounds of donations. That's like the big end of how it's affecting people. But in a in a more sort of smaller scale and real world example, I have two teenage boys. One is at the age where he's going to um, be applying to university. So I know lots of teenage boys. Let me tell you, they are totally disenfranchised by the idea of higher education. They don't see it as for them because they see it as really woke. And part of the reason they see universities as woke places where they can't speak up is because that is exactly the training they've had in school mm. so you know even in in the you know the best state schools because my kids go to a state school even the best state schools that encourage some sort of free thinking actually what you can and can't say is very restrictive i know of a teenage lad who said there are only two genders he said this in pshe lesson right. and he was taken out of the lesson and told there is no place for him in school if he talks like that. So I think young people feel very constricted. There are things they can say, there are things they can't say. Um, I mean, I've experienced this myself. I've had, I've had private messages and emails from people who are quite well known who say, thank you for speaking up on this issue. I can't speak up because X, Y, Z. And they'll, they'll you know, outline the social cost or the professional cost of what, what their free speech would mean for them. It's okay for me, to, for me to take the hit, but not for them. I think there are a lot of people who feel increasingly stymied and censored. Um, and at u- universities, what we're seeing is the pinnacle of that attitude. Mm. And that's just such a shame because it's the last place we should see this. Um, I mean, big credit to the Free Speech Union because they've been um, petitioning the government on the um, higher education bill. And so, for instance, they just had an amendment added to it that says that um, universities won't be able to say that one reason for no platforming people is because they can't afford the security cost. Mm. Because that was being used as a sort of a back doorway of um, no platforming people. Oh, we won't be able to afford the security for this highly controversial speaker who believes in biological sex, for instance. So we really do have to push back. You know, I think with, um, you know, legal legal means, but people also have to be brave about speaking up when they're in the situation themselves. Mm. It can feel it can feel difficult because speaking out against the group is hard. That's why behavioural science is deployed against people so much, because we do have this powerful tendency to conform. But, you know, huge well done to the pro-life stand at Freshers Week at University, um, Oxford University, for not backing down. They will be yeah. there, albeit with a ridiculous trigger warning. Yes, no, um, you're right. And- you're right, because I know, I mean, there's something I'm going to be doing later on this year, which is a sort of a group of people speaking in um, a, a venue. And the venue is, at the moment, not being published because people are worried that it might be, you know, in some way boycotted or and there might be a demonstration outside and 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 you've seen that with that uh, that film that was banned from various cinemas right uh, up in the north of england because it was going to be causing unrest because there were too many people demonstrating against it it's kind of mad that they can use this as an excuse because people will know that if they can put enough pressure on a venue the venue backs out Exactly. Well, well done you. And you know what? I was just going to say well done to the pro-life stand and well done you, Mike, because you are the home of common sense and you have lots of people on your show who are prepared to take a different point of view and all the, you know, the attendant risks that come with that, because these risks also have benefits too. Um, Every time you speak up about something that's a little bit controversial, you open up a conversation, you give other people permission to speak a bit like... Kanye West. Yes. Well, what a very good thing uh, to stop there because uh, we'll hold that thought because also there's the COVID inquiry to discuss, which has just got underway today. It's only a one day hearing, we believe. Um, But yeah, Kanye West is well an interesting T-shirt with an interesting slogan. We'll hear more from Laura Dodsworth about that coming next here on Talk TV. See it, hear it, think it. Talk radio and Talk TV.
Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. Laura Dodsworth is here with us, author and writer, of course. Another book on the way. Uh, Kanye West, a name that conjures up horror for an awful lot of people whenever you mention it because you don't know what he's going to do or say next. What's he done this time, Laura? Well, he's caught in controversy again, so uh, let him have it. In Paris, he has uh, worn a sweatshirt which said White Lives Matter on it. And you can imagine the sort of outrage that's provoked in some I mean, what a shocking statement that is. (laughs) Well, you know, some people have said this is actually hate speech. It's a hate statement. Um, It's it's been called disgusting, um, dangerous and irresponsible, which... It's just it's just incredible, isn't it? I think, um, you know, you might as well say the right slogans matter rather than black lives matter or white lives matter. Again, this is a little bit like the Oxford University story. Some things are acceptable speech. Some things are not acceptable speech. And I think people find this particularly um, outrageous from Kanye West. I think we're supposed to be calling him. Is it ye now? I don't know. Yay. I don't know. Yay, ye. Um, well, let's just call him Kanye West for now, but that's no. not his That's not his new name, apparently. But um, I think people are particularly outraged because he is black. And, you know, there's this idea that black people aren't supposed to ally themselves with right-wing politics, which he does, or do anything except beat a certain ideological drum about mm. race matters. But I think, of course, he should be free to express his opinions. It really shouldn't be that controversial to say white lives matter. No, it really shouldn't, because it isn't controversial. But you might remember, um, this was probably a couple of years ago, um, that the guy who flew a plane over a football ground uh, and were towing behind the plane that exact statement, white lives matter. And I think he was arrested as a result. Was he? That's just that's just ridiculous. I mean, that that just shouldn't be allowed. It was right at the height of the summer of the sort of Black Lives Matter um, marches and riots and all that sort of thing. Well, it was it was a very, very febrile atmosphere. But as we said the other week, you know, look at the case of, say, Master Amini, who was um, killed by the police in Iran for not wearing a headscarf. That has actually generated some protests and outrage, but nothing like the killing of George Floyd. Mm. You know what the kind of the public imagination, the collective unconscious will will click on to is quite variable. Kanye West, of course, has outraged people before by describing 400 years of slavery as a choice. You know, he tried to row back and explain he didn't quite mean how that sounded but you know you can see some quite complex and uh complex thinking in his ideas about race but you know this is a little bit like our own homegrown story recently where um quasi quartan was described as only superficially black Mm. because he went to a private school and you know he has he has a, a posh accent he doesn't say brav in it um, and there's this idea that black people aren't supposed to transcend um, certain class mm. barriers. And if they do, then they're not really black enough. And I think that's actually a really racist oh, totally. um, and despicable but way again, of thinking. It's very much the thoughts of the of the left of, of politics, isn't it? Because it was Rupert Hooke who said that. Uh, she's been suspended yeah. by the Labour Party pending an investigation. I don't know what they're supposed to be investigating. She was recorded saying it. She said it uh, and, and the, the, the recording is available to be seen and heard by anybody who wants to hear it so what are they investigating exactly why haven't they just kicked her out of the Labour Party yeah I don't know I mean I'm really not a big fan of people losing their jobs for for expressing expressing their opinions but what she said is truly deeply objectionable the problem is it's just a reflection of very deep-seated culture um so 
I think she probably should have been suspended because it was such um, an objectionable thing to say. Yeah, but the Labour Party, the reason I'm I'm not a fan of losing people, she's not going to lose her job. She will always be an MP because you can't be sacked as an MP unless you've committed some kind of heinous crime. But basically, she should not be in the Labour Party because of the way that they are in terms of um, what they profess to be. You know, they profess Mm. to be uh, a a party that's all about equality. They profess to be a party that is not about racism. They say they've kicked anti-Semitism out. But here they are still uh, keeping somebody in the party who has said that. Mm, Absolutely. Well, talking about all the party politics at the moment, something I think is just worth flagging up is that, you know, amidst all the news about the Conservative Party conference, something has been a little bit missed today, which is um, it's the first day of the COVID inquiry. I saw, yeah. I'm not sure that much is going to happen today, but tell us what's going on. Um... So it's it's just a day to announce how the COVID inquiry is going to work. Um, I it, it, I have to be honest; it's sort of passed me by, uh, and <laughs> I think that I think that was that, should, was that was their intention. I think I think I think it is, but there's there's a, a contextual point to this. You know, um, it's being buried in a lot of bad news right now about politics and the economy but we must not forget that where we are right now politically and economically is largely down to a pandemic response you know you can talk about the top rate top rate tax all you like but we have just been through an enormous program of quantitative easing at the same time as shutting down the economy shutting down manufacturing and jobs we are where we are now because of the pandemic response and i just hope the covid inquiry is going to get to grips with it but i yeah. don't think it will i think the fact that there's been no fanfare about it starting is a part of the problem so now we know it started let's get all eyes on it yes and do you have to be vaccinated and double boosted to get in to uh, pay attention to what they say I don't think so. I think all that's I think all that's Let's gone by the wayside. So. Although I think what will be what will be interesting actually is whether the inquiry does include um, vaccine safety and efficacy. Yeah. You'll see in lots of countries around the world the vaccine is not recommended anymore for vast swathes of populations, like big sets yeah. of age groups. Mm. So um, again, that's something that could easily be brushed under the carpet and mustn't be. And there's an interesting story from down under about nudge control, isn't there? and what was actually going on uh, in Australia rather than what was going on here. Yeah, absolutely. Now, this one didn't pass me by. There's um, an article in The Telegraph in um, Australia today about the the nudge unit there. Now, actually, the UK nudge unit was seconded to Australia to set up part of their nudge unit, and they are in quite close contact. So, for instance, the Bayville Insights team also have an office in Australia. Be interesting to know how much they coordinate now they didn't publish by b minutes in australia like we did here in the uk and the paper there has done a series of freedom of information requests to find out how nudge was used to shape the pandemic response big surprise mike get ready a lot yeah so some examples are um i mean this is this one's just incredible the nudge unit recommended that to minimize the perception of risk about covid vaccines that you would Talk about risk in terms of percentages, not rounded out fractions. So, for instance, you would say, this is an example figure, 0.00004% rather than 1 in 250,000. Because when you talk about 1 in 250,000, people imagine that they are the one, but the decimal seems really tiny. Same risk, but what they're trying to do is minimise the perception of risk. Mm. That is sneaky. 
Also, um, they talked about promoting masks among young people by appealing to ego, by talking about how heroes wear masks. We had the same sort of approach here. Um, they talked about using QR codes to harness the surveillance mm. effect. This one I just find staggering because anything that harnesses the surveillance would turn me right off. But I guess they thought that would appeal to some people. Yeah. So what we're seeing in Australia coming through more gradually than um, we were able to expose here, I was able to expose here, is some very nasty manipulative tricks, not designed merely to anticipate the response, but to shape it, mm. to trick people into conforming with rules. Yeah, and they really did that. And we know for sure that Chris Whitty used to have sort of regular conversations with uh, his counterparts all over the world, didn't he? He used to talk to Fauci quite a bit. I presume he also talked to, to those guys. And he was right at the sort of front and centre of all of that. Absolutely. And I'm sure that in the same vein, you would see a web of contact and sharing information, ideas and coordination between nudge units and behavioural scientists who work, you know, embedded in government. So, you know, for instance, here, our nudge unit was part of the cabinet office, but also they're in public health bodies like here in the UK, the UK HSA, mm. formerly Public Health England, in the NHS, in all the agencies, mm. actually, even in DEFRA and in other divisions like the Treasury. And it's going to be the same all around the world. And I'm sure they're talking to each other and coordinating response, which is why you see such a similarity. Even the World Health Organization has its own behavioral mm. insights team, now chaired by Susan Mickey, yes. who uh, people will oh, remember was on Spy oh, no. And so these ideas filter out around the world. It's dreadful. Listen, we've got to run. Laura, great to talk to you. See you soon. Laura Dodsworth, author and writer there, uh, on a whole variety of stuff. Uh, lots of it. Very, very interesting. Tableau uh, of what we're talking about today. Let's get some news headlines. Online on DAB Plus, Talk Radio and Talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. The place is jumping, ladies and gentlemen. There's an awful lot of news going on today. Uh, there seems to be no day when there isn't loads of news going on, quite frankly. I can't remember the last time we weren't in the middle of some kind of crisis or other, uh, as told by either the government or the opposition uh, or the unions uh, or somebody in, in the business of food or somebody in the business of farming or somebody in the business of fishing or someone in the business of almost anything uh, which is being done in the world right now. I'll tell you what's being done this afternoon in the world right now. Now, Suella Braverman, the new Home Secretary, uh, is going to get up and make a speech at Tory party conference around about, we think, 4.30, 5 o'clock-ish, around that sort of time. So it'll be during uh, Vanessa Feltz's show. Uh, basically, they're going to be talking about migrants because she apparently has come up with a wizard wheeze. This time, she says it's going to stop them from coming. Now, we've heard it all before, so we're going to talk to Ben Habib, chairman of Brexit Watch, uh, who mocked me the last time I said the Rwanda plan was a great plan because uh, he said it wouldn't work. It turned out he was right. Um, and I wasn't. But nevertheless, I still defend my position on that because if they had done it right, it would have worked and it would have been a very good policy. But of course, the proof, as always, is in the pudding. We're also continuing uh, with our conversation about violent Britain. A violent burglary is up massively, 13%. Uh, how about this from Nikki in Slough? Mike, here in Slough, we've had a lot of violence lately. Now we have two bodies in a park and a murdered 21-year-old in one day. Um, I had a 17-year-old stabbed to death in the summer. I may be cynical, but Slough is a multinational town. The high street is now in intimidating uh, with those very big groups of eastern european men and asian gangs i don't go there anymore um hi mike well on the migrant front says anne i hope and pray suella does it also send the ones back that are all being housed in hotels up and down the country costing billions also all of those migrants being housed in rented accommodation and paid for by us the taxpayer well it's a very weird story isn't it the migrant story because what you don't get is proper 
debate about it. What you get on social media, if you ever mention the the plight of illegal migrants, is you get called a racist. Uh, if you're in the Labour Party, you're not allowed to talk about it, it seems, because hardly anybody talks about it during Labour Party conference. And if you're a Tory minister, you're basically stopped at every turn by people in the civil service, by people who work in the Home Office, by the border force, by the people who actually are supposed to be carrying out your policies. They don't want to do it. It's an extraordinary state of affairs. Let's talk to Ben Habib, chairman of Brexit Watch, to find out why this is so difficult, because it really shouldn't be. Ben, a very good afternoon to you. Good, good afternoon, Mike. I nearly say good morning, but you're right, it's afternoon. <laughs> Time yeah. flies when you're enjoying yourself. I mean, I don't, I don't want to say, here we go again, but here we go again. We get a new Home Secretary, uh, another chance to stop this ridiculous migration uh, that goes on every single day. What, what are you hoping for? What, I mean, can we have any faith that it might happen? Well, I, I think, first of all, Suella Braverman is a breath of fresh air. She's in a different league to Pretty Patel. Mm. And so I'm hopeful that any legislation she brings forward will actually have proper bite, if you like you know, at the risk of offending those who uh, champion the rights of illegal migrants. Yeah. Um, you know, it has to bite. It has to be implementable. It has to be deliverable. And what I liked about what I heard of this new proposed legislation is that it's utterly black and white. If you attempt to come into this country illegally across the channel, you will not have a right to stay. Yeah. So it's, there's, there's no ifs and buts. Under the Nationality and Borders Act that Priti Patel brought in, um, there was provision for, um, you know, sending back people who came through safe countries, but there were also exceptions. And the minute you get into exceptions, you open up a legal quagmire of appeals, mm. debates, and so on. And what I really like about this new proposed legislation, assuming it gets onto the statute books in the way that it's been described, is that it's black and white. If you've tried to come into this country illegally, you will not get asylum. Mm. That was one of the first legs of the Australian response to the problem they had. And that worked extremely well. What I suppose I'm disappointed with is Suella, and indeed Liz Truss said this during the leadership contest, um, Suella coming out and saying that we can't try pushback, that pushback won't work. And Liz Truss's argument was that if you push boats back into French territorial waters, well, they go back to the French coast, they get in another dinghy and they try it again. Well, and my response to that would be, well, keep pushing them back. You know, that's what border control is about. You know, we've got to keep focusing in on what it, what it is we're trying to achieve here. And that is not a, 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 a viable deportation policy. What we're trying to achieve here is border control. And border control is a physical business. It's our border mm. force and our Navy being on the edge of our territorial waters making sure people who haven't got the right to enter our territorial waters do not enter. And I'm afraid the only way to do that is through pushback. Um, but this is the thing. I mean, you know, whenever you have a conversation with anybody about this, uh, you can't have the conversation because if they think that the world should be welcoming all refugees, all migrants, no matter who they are, no matter where they've come from, no matter what they've done, there is no reasoning with those people. You know, they assume, even if you say to them, look, here are Home Office figures that show that about 60% now, we think, possibly more of the people currently coming every single day are from Albania, a place from which they could come legally. Surely there's something wrong with that. And they go, well, you can't say they're all drug dealers and they're all criminals. Well, why are they, com <laughs> well, why are they coming illegally then? Well, there are, there are people 
who, who British citizens who genuinely believe we shouldn't have enforced borders. I mean, it's a most bizarre thing. Yeah. You know, that is the end of the nation state. If you right. don't enforce, if you don't have borders that are enforced, you, you're not a nation yeah. state. And many of those people, won't surprise you to hear, Mike, are hashtag FBPE types who <laughs> want to rejoin the European Union, who believe in shared sovereignty, who, who support freedom of movement across Europe, yes. which, by the way, is also a serious contributing factor in the problem that we've got in the channel. Yeah. It's because there's freedom of movement in Europe that once you're in Europe, you can just come straight into France and straight across the channel. And, yes. and it, in a way, they're flattering us because they see that being in the United Kingdom is a lot better than being in Europe. Yes. But it's not but the again, kind of flattery we want. But again, like everything else that used to happen when we were in the European Union, most countries in Europe just go their own way. They don't bother with the EU. They don't even listen to anything the EU basically says. They do what they like. And we were always kind of slavishly adhering to the rules and regulations. So if we were told, well, you can take all these migrants, then we were supposed to take them. But, I mean, don't these idiots look at what's happened in Sweden and what's happening in Italy, you know, where the electorate have got fed up with all the migration and have voted in right-wing parties because that's, in the end, what's going to yeah. happen here, I think. Yeah, and, and what's happening in the United Kingdom? You know, crime is up. Knife crime is up. And, you know, again, it's one of these debates people aren't prepared to have. But, you know, there is a particular ethnicity associated with the rise in crime. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I'm almost low to even raise it on this show with you, which is a friendly show, because I can just see it being misinterpreted yeah. and thrown back in my face. But that is a reality. And if you have un uh, unchecked borders, if people are coming into the country who could be criminals, who could hold your culture in, uh, you know, in antipathy, who want to do damage to our nation because they don't believe in our values and our history and, you know, what we stand for and of which there are many, wrongly in my view, but of which there are many, you know, we don't want them coming into the country. Yeah. They are dangerous to us. But even even so if you even if you have... don't go down that particular road, Ben, and, and you say it's not a question of them all being dangerous, it's not a question of them all uh, being people that we don't want to have here, it should still be a requirement that you know who they are and where they've yeah, come well, from. Well, I mean, you don't know whether or not you want them here until you've vetted them. Yeah. So that's a you know prerequisite for, for, for allowing entry. So, I mean, I think you've got to have pushback at our territorial waters. And uh, I hope Suella turns on that you know it's not about having a, a viable deportation policy that's very helpful great to reform the human rights act great to pare back the um european court of human rights mm. intervention in in domestic um affairs but you've got to have a robust border control there's nothing, nothing makes up for that i mean we, you know just remember mike when the belarusian government was trying to create a migrant problem for Poland by deliberately bringing in Syrians and people into Belarus and then trying to export them into the across the border into Poland. Do you remember that about a yes, year ago? I do. The Polish the Polish response was draconian. You know, yeah, uh, they they had no truck with it at all. Um, they just put a uh, fence put, up, didn't they? They, they put a fence up and they, and they put the army behind the fence. Yeah. You know, it's pretty clear what was going to happen to anyone who well, tried to... in Sweden, in Sweden, we're here as well, that they're so fed up with the problem that they've started to basically deport people who they believe to be uh, either in Sweden under false pretenses or there illegally, and they're sending them back. Now, how come the ECHR isn't stopping that from happening? Yeah, well, I haven't looked into the Swedish issue, but it is remarkable how 
Uh, and, and, and it's not just the ECHR, though, is it, Mike? It's about our own domestic courts. Oh, yeah. It's remarkable how many lawyers and how many uh, judges seem to be sympathetic to, you know, to these, to the, to, to, to these people. And um, uh, you, that plane that was stopped by the European Court of Human mm. Rights taking off, the one attempt that we made, a genuine attempt to get some refugees to Rwanda, it only had one refugee on it. Right. You know, because by the time the plane was fully boarded with that one refugee, um, the British courts had successfully removed the other 300, you know. I know, just that, incredible. That's the problem. But you've also, yeah. well, when you've got the border force who are literally uh, going on strike because they don't want to actually run the border and they don't want to actually stop people from coming through the border, uh, even if they're illegal, when you've got the RNLI who are, who are physically going out into French waters to pick people up from boats which aren't sinking uh, in order to bring them into Dover uh, and, and hand them over to yeah. uh, some people who are going to give them a welcome package, when you've got the, own, the Home Office Union actually suing, I think, the government to stop them from from having this policy of, uh, of returning yeah. migrants. I mean, yeah. you know, what chance have you got? It's unbelievable. You haven't. And, you know, they talk about deterrence being at the heart of their policy. Well, you're not going to deter anyone if you're providing a free taxi service. You know, it's right. pretty obvious. They all know it must be well televised across... You know, uh, well, I mean, they're all, running all adverts now. They're running adverts yeah. on uh, TikTok <laughs> in Albania. You know, come to Britain. You know, you can only we've got a knockdown price. It's only three and a half grand this week, uh, and we'll set you up with a with a nice house, a nice house or a nice hotel room. You'll get food, you'll get money, uh, and everything will be great. Yeah. So uh, you know, everyone knows the minute you make it into British territorial water, you're going to get a free ride in the country, and then the British judicial system will see you see you right yeah. and you won't you won't be forced to leave um and we've just got to stop that it's got to be twofold i think what suelo is doing is absolutely right it's got to be black and white legislation which enables deportation without a right of appeal but there has also to be border control there has to be pushback there has to be pushback of boats into french waters and if those people try again they need to be pushed back again mm. and if they try again they need to be pushed back again yeah. and it's and, and it has to keep going on until they realize that there is no easy way into the united kingdom yes i think that's absolutely what everyone is hoping for with suella braverman's speech this afternoon we'll bring it to you right here ben thanks very much indeed ben habib chairman of brexit watch there uh, on the hopes of an awful lot of people in this country that this ridiculous passage comes to an end 30,000 people plus have already come here this year uh, by that method. Could be 60 by the end of the year. Let's put a stop to it, shall we? This is Talk TV. Talk radio across the UK, online, on DAB and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app. And if you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us on 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio.